What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So, I want to talk about something that I've seen happen recently, and I've talked to some of you about it, like, and it frustrates me, and I bring it up, and I kind of caution people, and it becomes like something that gets laughed off, because it's built in the guise of, oh, hey, we're just messing with you, or we're just kind of ribbing you and giving you a hard time, right? So what I've seen is uh, senior leadership, like, and, and just like people that have been around for a long time. So there's this there's this chief, he's a new chief. Um, there's some things that he does that where he's, he's learning, right, that frustrates some people. Um, it, there's jokes made about like, it takes him a really long time to explain things and, and stuff like that. But he also in in I'm talking like in high level meetings, uh, operational briefs, stuff like that. He's responsible for a lot, right? Uh, some high level operational stuff that he's the expert on, right? Like he, he's very good at his job. His level of knowledge is high. He's not always great at communicating what he's trying to communicate, uh, which I mean, everyone struggles with communication. It's I don't care who you are, like even even me, even Mick Ponce, you know, everybody like no one is the great communicator. Right. So uh, he has some things that he could do better, like we all do. Right. Uh, He's definitely had some struggles as a junior chief, but he's working through them. He genuinely wants to get better. He's constantly having conversations with with guys uh, pulls me aside and we we talk through some things sometimes, and I like check in on him once in a while because I can see him getting frustrated. Uh, and and he's also a guy I've held accountable uh, pretty harshly for some stuff that he's done that was pretty dumb and he should have known better. But it he's growing, he's learning, he's a new chief. Uh, it's expected as I've talked about a whole bunch of times before. So where I'm going with this is what I see happen is he's kind of like the last kid picked in dodgeball, man. Like he's. He's getting piled on like as he it it starts small, like it starts with uh, like you're a quote unquote boot chief. Right. And you're given a hard time the first year. Um, You're kind of prodded a little bit because you're still learning the culture of the chief's quarters. You're still kind of learning what it means to be a chief and how to function as one in the command and and what you're kind of supposed to be doing with your hands. Like you spend the first year kind of figuring it out and, and growing into your anchors. Right. So. That's what he's doing. That's a process he's been going through. And in again, it it poured over from just being some friendly kind of joking around to being all the time, like in front of the chiefs during during ranking boards, during awards boards, at high level meetings and, and operational briefs. Like everybody is going out of their way to like almost not listen to his input, to cut him off, to basically discount what he's saying, tell him he's screwing stuff up when he's really not. Uh, And it, it became like almost a habit that when it was happening, people began to see it because it was happening so often. And then by people seeing it, other people started adopting that behavior to the point where this guy couldn't get an, a word in edgewise with, all of the senior leadership who it's absolutely critical he be able to communicate with to do his job. And I was sitting kind of in these meetings just blown away that that, like this guy is the subject matter expert on something that we do to keep the ship safe. So why would you not listen to him? And and not that other people don't have expertise as well, but like we're paying him to do this. He's in this position of trust so that 
we can stay safe and he can do the things that he does. And just based on that behavior, it established like this, I, this image that he is a screw up and that he couldn't be trusted. And it, it happened quick. It went from just friendly, like joking around to can't be trusted to do his job. And it made his job so much harder than it needed to be because he wasn't wrong about the things he was saying. He was not a great communicator, which would frustrate some people. But instead of kind of helping him through that or asking questions or kind of maybe before the meeting, we have a conversation so we know how to best articulate this or whatever. Like instead of him being helped, he was being hindered. He was being attacked by people because they just assumed everything that was coming out of his mouth was garbage. And that's that progression happened because of it was like a death of a thousand cuts on the way up where it started with just the hard time stuff. And then it was like, we're giving him a hard time because of his communication skills. And then it's like, he looks kind of funny. And then it's like, he also had a, a senior officer that he worked with that was like a hot mess in his own regard that was habitually not trusted. So just by association, it kind of like some of that rubbed off on him. And he was just, it, it developed very quickly and almost nonsensically to he can't be trusted where he's an expert and the thing the expert things he's saying are correct his his recommendations were he wasn't even being allowed to fully articulate like what he had planned or like what he had to say because he would just everybody would cut him off after he got three sentences out of his mouth trying to articulate a point so you don't get any context he doesn't get the opportunity to explain any of it and he just starts getting attacked and told no and told that that's dumb. That doesn't work or that doesn't make any sense. And he started <laughs> he started to just get frustrated to the point where he almost came unprepared for the meetings a few times. And then there were conversations had about that. And then he rebounded because he was trying to fight his way back. And it was just like, it didn't make any sense. And it wasn't fair to him. It's not our job as leaders to like tear people down and pile on when it looks like somebody's like kick them while they're down. Like, no, it's not what we do. And so if he's struggling, like take some time to help him, take some time to develop him. Um, he he took it on the chin and he kind of took it like a champ. But most of the time, like again, he, I mean, he struggled uh, more than once and was extremely frustrated. And I know he learned a lot from it based on conversations I had with him. And I did my best to kind of reach out to him when I could to have those conversations. But um, he wasn't getting the support that he needed and the cautionary tale here is that when someone is struggling like that, especially a leader, go out of your way to help them out, especially if they're, it's all there, they're competent, they're, they're experts in their field, but maybe they're nervous in those briefs. Maybe they're just not great communicators. Maybe they don't know the best way to articulate it, or maybe they could have had a pre-conversation with other people that own part of that operational pie that could have made everything kind of flow better because that's what would happen sometimes too is like he would have his expert opinion but maybe he forgot to take into account some some other thing some other part of the environment that affected like his plan it didn't consider that so his plan wasn't ideal it wasn't terrible but it wasn't ideal because he didn't consider this one factor but instead of having that type of a conversation, deconflicting those things and saying, hey, next time, we'll you come talk to me. We'll do this ahead of time so that we make sure when we go in there and present this operational brief, everything's good to go. Things are deconflicted. We're all on the same page. 
That's not what happened. And he would get destroyed in a pretty public fashion. And it kind of melted my brain a little bit. And, and it is also dangerous because so so you first, instead of helping that leader, we're stunting his development and growth by just destroying him instead of actually fixing him, right? We're just teaching him that it's, it, and this is the real dangerous part. We're teaching him it's not okay to, to say what he needs to say. We're teaching him that it's not okay to speak up. Because I had that conversation with him too. And I said, don't you dare not say what you need to say because of how important his job is. And so if, you, if you're getting attacked all the time, your natural inclination eventually uh, is going to be like, I'm okay, fine. My opinion clearly isn't valued. My expertise is being discounted every single time I open my mouth. I'm just not going to open my mouth anymore. That's dangerous. That's something that if we find ourselves in that position, I mean, eventually there's going to be some kind of a mishap and then we're going to be like, well, why didn't you say anything? Because every time I say something, you just destroy me and you don't listen anyway. That's very, very dangerous. And it happens a lot. It happens a lot with junior sailors too, where their opinion just gets discounted. So they're just going to stop saying things and they're going to let leader X fall on their face. Like they could have backed you up. They could have given you a heads up or told you that this maintenance practice or or this thing doesn't make sense or this MRC is wrong and we need to submit a feedback report, whatever. Or this piece of equipment's broken or not working properly. They could have backed you up, but they know you're the one that's going to get punched in the face for this piece of equipment not working properly or whatever. So eventually they're just going to stop saying something. That's terrifying. Um, it's not productive. It doesn't build future leaders. Uh, it stunts the growth of the sailors that are responsible for executing the mission when the response to someone struggling is to just pile on. It doesn't make any sense. And I've talked about this a little bit in some other episodes before, but I like this is very, very dangerous. It's super counterproductive and we gain nothing from it. Nothing. All it does is make somebody feel like crap and put them in the position to not speak up in the future. Like if there's a problem, I want to know about it, especially in what I do for a living. We're all locked in a steel tube and then we put it underwater and the whole thing's trying to kill us at all times. If something's wrong, I want to know. I want to know early. I want to know often so that I can be proactive about fixing it and keep everybody safe. If I build a culture and an environment where people are afraid to speak up, that is dangerous. I don't like being dangerous. I don't like taking risks. I want to be safe all the time. I want to mitigate risk as much as I possibly can because that thing's trying to kill me all the time. So why would I ever create an environment where a leader, let alone a junior sailor, is afraid to speak up and say something? That should freak you out. Uh, I'm sure it's not just happening at, at like at my command or at your command. I'm sure it's happening all over the place. And that's, I mean, it comes all back around to leadership development and education, right? You teach those things out of it. Like you breed those things out of our culture. But how terrifying is that? And I mean, that's like, it's such a common thing that, I mean, you see it in things like the full speed ahead training this last year where the kid had a good idea and he brought it up and everybody told him he was stupid and that it was a bad idea and just crushed him for it. It happens a lot. I mean, it's to the point where it's almost bred into new sailors by like the third classes and second class mafia. Like, don't even bother. They're not going to listen anyway. 
I have I have a lot of conversations like that. I had a conversation with some guys while I was on duty the other day. Uh, some of my nuclear trained brethren. Uh, I was back there talking to them, and I was just like, "What do you?" Basically, it was like a conversation. I don't I don't want to get specific, but basically, it was a conversation about what I would do if I ever was like a CMC, right? And because they were asking me like, "Do you plan on doing that?" I was like, "If I did." one of the reasons it's attractive to me, one of the reasons I really want to do it is because I want to do a lot of things differently than I've seen them done because I know they, I know they can be done. I had a cob still one of my heroes, uh, that he learned a lot of lessons over time and he applied them all in his last job, which was a, he was a cob and then this is, he's a CFC, but he was a cob on a submarine. That's what the job's called. And, uh, he did things that I don't think were common. I, I know were not common. And the crew adored him for it. Like, And it wasn't like he wasn't doing it for, for that reason. He was doing it because it was the right thing to do. And it was the best way to take care of the crew so that the crew could take care of the mission. It was that simple. He did a lot of things. And he had the clout to do a lot of things. Uh, because he was such an experienced CMC, he was trusted to do so much and it just created this culture of excellence. It created this culture where sailors were not worried about a lot of stupid things because the the command leadership was taking care of those things for them so they could focus on the job, so they could focus on their mission, so they could just have tags ready the day before so they could just hang tags and get to work or hang tags the night before so they just show up. They got a list of work where the tags are hanging. All you got to do is open the WAF and start. Boom. Some of the conversations I hear happening now where all these sailors are super frustrated because they spend eight hours getting all the administration done before they can start the maintenance. And it's like eight hours is the work day, technically. <laughs> so it's like they're not starting the work until near the end of the work day. So then that's where you're into the 18, 18 to 20 hundred and extremely frustrated sailors because their time's being wasted. If you're not valuing their time, they're going to be frustrated because of course they are. If you had to stand around for eight hours waiting to get admin done, you'd be pissed too. But back to the original point, I, like I've seen it a lot. Um, I, I definitely went and I talk about it a lot when I was an LPO, I was a screamer. I thought that's how you got the job done because that's what I saw the most in my career. So I was trying to emulate the examples that I did have. Uh, even though I hated it when it happened to me, I just, I didn't know any other way. So that's what I did. But then I quickly found out that they stopped listening and they were zoning me out, uh, just glazed over looks on their faces when I was yelling all the time. So I quickly understood, okay, this is not an effective way to communicate. I'm not getting my point across. The whole point is to get my point across so I can train these guys so I can give them everything they need to do the job, right? So I changed the way I did it and they started listening and they started talking to me a lot and, and I talked to them a lot and I asked them their opinion and I took their feedback and gave them a stake in the process, let them take ownership of a lot of stuff uh, so that it was their process, not my process. And God, did it work. Uh, and I did that here too, second time around. I mean, I, I didn't make the same mistakes twice on my second Chiefs tour. You know, I, I, I knew what was gonna happen mostly. I mean, it was like, I've seen this movie before and I know how it ends. So didn't experience the same things because I listened to them and I didn't beat them down. And, uh, and I see that happening in, in that example that I gave, I just, I kind of fear for 
like that guy's development. I, I hope he takes the positive lessons out of it and learns from it and is a better chief as a result of it. But there's the danger that he's not and that he's going to be a senior chief in his next quarters and he's going to be the guy piling on. And that's how this cycle repeats itself because people see this behavior. It's validated by senior people doing it. And then it's it was taught to them by the example that they had at the time so that when they go back and they're the ones in that position, they're going to follow that example because that's what that's what we do. If that's the only example that you have, I mean, hopefully and hope is not a plan, but hopefully, hopefully he develops the way that I think he's going to. But there's always that danger that they won't. There's always that danger that that fear of speaking up will be built into him now, right? And and other bad things and bad behaviors and negative reinforcement of negative behavior can build this thing into a leader or any sailor so that anything, bad maintenance practices, cutting corners, gun decking, logs, whatever, right? Like you're trained and it's validated and then maybe a supervisor validates it. Like, and then it's just like, oh, this is just how we do things. And then we find ourselves in these positions where we're just punching ourselves in the face. So I don't know. That's something that it's been on my list of things to talk about for a while. Uh, I know I have talked about it a little bit before, but uh, it just feels like self-sabotage, you know, and it doesn't make any sense. And again, we're not making ourselves any better by doing it. It doesn't make any sense to me to just tear somebody down when they're they're already down. If they're making a mistake, help them get better, help them learn from it, you know, help them do the right thing in the future. Uh, that, <laughs> I know everybody, it's so simple to say and it's so simple to hear and be like, yeah, that's totally the right thing to do. But it's it's another thing to be in that environment with all those people and not conform to what's going on around you. Like, I get it. I find myself sometimes thinking that maybe I should let myself fall into that trap, but it's not the right answer. And it's not like I don't fall into that trap sometimes. I'm not perfect. I'm not doing everything right all the time. I'm trying to. And I'm aware of it and I'm aware of myself a lot more than I think I used to be and that a lot more than I think some people are, but I, I'm still screwing some of this stuff up. So uh, you got to constantly be working at it to get it right 60% of the time. That's probably being generous. So just be aware of the danger of it. Be aware of no matter how small it seems, the little tiny things that you're doing are being watched and are affecting someone, right? So you thinking that it's okay to kind of joke around with people, like a small example I'll give you is nicknames. I'm sure they're probably common on the surface fleet, but I can tell you from personal experience, they are super common on submarines. Like before you even get on the ship, like people see your orders come through and, oh, hey, we got a new guy and his name's whatever, right? And, And the nickname's already formed and like ready to go before you get on the boat. And I've caught myself falling into the trap of calling somebody by their nickname because some of these nicknames are not very flattering. (laughs) So I've caught myself doing that. And and I wonder to myself, as as soon as it escapes my lips, when it happens, I'm just like, "Ah, I shouldn't have said that because I wonder to myself how they feel about it. Right. How do they feel about that nickname? Because, again, it's not always flattering. Most of the time it's not flattering. Um, and so you say it and you think you're joking and you think you're just two people and you're just joking, but really like you're a senior leader and they may be like a second class or they may be a seaman and senior chief is saying something like that. And it's like, how do they receive that? How do they, you know? And so like I catch myself doing that. I'm like, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. And I usually apologize. And I ask him like, does that nickname bother you? But then again, even that conversation, even a senior chief asking a seaman, does that bother you? He probably thinks the right answer is no, because he doesn't want to like 
get in trouble or like you know have like negative like a negative effect on his image or like how the division and and his peers perceive him and stuff like that so like it's such a weird social web that we weave but that's an example uh of like i i try really hard not to even use them because it's i don't know how they perceive it i don't know how it affects them especially coming from me so i'm really cautious about uh falling into that kind of a trap right so that's an example and it's a small example of just like how little tiny things that you do or say can affect somebody and so you can only imagine what a giant thing like piling on and destroying a guy uh during those types of meetings and stuff how that would affect someone negatively and how it could lead them down the wrong path as always if you guys need anything or have some feedback hit me up don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message me don't give up the shit podcast or you dm me on instagram at dgus podcast uh hit me up if you need anything have questions comments concerns i always love hearing from you guys uh, and I'm always, always, always super interested in hearing what you guys think about these things. If, you, if you've experienced this, kind of some of the struggles you're having, or if you just need help, don't be afraid to reach out. That's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship. <laughs>